Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here is an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Lauren Anderson. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
like a woman Like a woman from her brand new re- release and um, we got Lauren on the line right now. Hey Lauren, how you been? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. 
Now, you've been <laughs> on the show before, and we always like to, you know, get things rolling by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are. And the best way to do that is kind of your story, how you got up to this point in your career. So give us the story of Lauren Anderson. Oh, man, it's been a zigzag road, that's for sure. It has not been, I've, it's not been a straight a straight path, but, you know, I guess that's how it goes, right? Um, I mean, I've been singing for as long as I can remember, um, but went, you know, and got a couple degrees that, uh, you know, I'm no longer using in music <laughs> and, um, and uh, worked as a music therapist, actually, for years in Kansas City, um, started touring then and just kind of, you know, just the call to be, you know, a singer songwriter on the road, you know, connecting people with that way, just, it just, it just never dissipated. And so, um, I am still kind of advocating for music therapy, but I'm now in Nashville and, uh, and doing the music thing. It's been, it's been a good ride. Okay. That's a very short, the very short <laughs> story. <laughs> Now, um, music therapy, I, you know, I find that as an interesting um, discipline uh, because when I was uh, working, uh, putting together the Long Island Music Hall of Fame, one of the things that I looked into is is with Alzheimer patients, um, if you played music that was from their teens through early 20s, it seems to give them kind of a center. Did you ever get into that aspect of, of music therapy at all? Oh, yeah, you are, yes. So that was actually why I got into it, because my grandfather had Alzheimer's. And um, I remember going to visit him when I was in high school, and his roommate, this was towards the end of his life, so he was nonverbal at this point, but still had just such a healthy body. So it was kind of, you know, it was a sad thing to see, but his roommate, who also had Alzheimer's, would just sit in his bed, his roommate was born in Norway, and his, he would just sit in bed and sing old Norwegian children's songs that he probably grew up listening to. Maybe he, you know, played them for his kids when he was younger. Um, and I just, I just started thinking. I thought it was so interesting that this guy couldn't have a conversation but would just sing all day. So language is still somewhere in his brain, and so... Um, that was originally, I never actually worked with Alzheimer's patients, but that was what got me interested in it. And actually, there's a lot of research that says um, music is processed in multiple different parts of your brain, which is why you might lose the ability to speak either from dementia or from a stroke or something, um, because language is processed just in kind of it's it's more of a finite part of your brain whereas music is kind of all over the space so you might lose the ability to speak but still be able to understand or communicate if you pick up a song that you're really familiar with so which is why teenage and you know music you listen to when you're teenagers or, or 20 year olds like that's kind of it has the strongest emotional connection to our brain and we're the most familiar with it um, so I just thought it was really fascinating. You could find a way to connect dementia patients with their loved ones by putting on a familiar song. All of a sudden, maybe they could dance with their partner or sing with their family. Um, and it's just kind of a way to continue that connection. And, um, I don't know, I think it's something that, you know, we're continuing to research more, but there's so much possibility with just how 
our brain processes music. It's just, it's really fascinating. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> I love that example. No, no problem. Well, you know, the reason I bring it up is because I had that experience as well, because, you know, my mother-in-law had Alzheimer's and, and she would get very agitated. So one of the things yeah. that I found that if I played her music from her era, from her, you know, that yeah. section of her life, it gave her this feeling of connection that alleviated yeah. the anxiety, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that is a big part, I think, of music therapy. And, you know, and um, music, obviously, everybody has a different reaction for various reasons to different kinds of music. And so if you really figure out how to, like, pick the right songs, um, you know, and kind of use them in the right way, I mean, even just for anyone who's not even dealing with, dementia i mean how many times do you put on a playlist because you've had a bad day and it kind of calms you down you know what i mean like it's just there's a lot of really good uses for music out there and i think that's really cool that you found that you could kind of use music for your mother-in-law to kind of help help keep her less agitated oh yeah now let's talk a little bit about the new release you have um when you were putting this together what was your goal for this well, you know, I originally, um, before I had written any of the songs or anything, I originally, you know, we released an album last year and it went really well. And, you know, for anyone, any one of us who are trying to make it, you know, and like you kind of got to keep that ball rolling. So I, I kind of knew already that I wanted to kind of put out another album pretty quickly and not, not wait a little bit. So um, so originally I just kind of, uh, when I'm writing for an album, I usually do some sort of a music songwriting goal where I, you know, take a month, for example, and I write a song a day because for me, it kind of takes the pressure off of like every song has to be perfect because you end up with 30 songs, most of which you don't ever have to share. You know what I mean? So you can kind of just like, in my mind, you can just more freely write. So I wrote a bunch of songs and I kind of sat down and started to think about, which ones go with each other and what should the title be and all of this. And, um, I, you know, I have one that's the title track now, which is called burn it all down. And I just thought that that said a lot of things that I am currently, you know, like it, it just, it just made a, a, an impact. And kind of once I got that title, that kind of pulled the whole rest of the release together. So, yeah. Okay. Now, uh, let's talk about, you as a songwriter you know you said that you, know, you you kind of tried to write a song a day which is a very disciplined way of, of working uh and every songwriter has their way or their process of getting the juices flowing or tapping into the muse what is your your mechanism that you use to kind of tap into your muse oh um i don't know i think the discipline probably helps um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think that when it happens, it happens, but I do think it's still like a muscle. You know, I don't think that, you know, people talk about writer's block a lot and I think that that is a thing, but I think that like, for example, me being disciplined and writing a song a day gets through that. So like the first week I might not write anything good, you know, but I think that it's like exercising once you kind of use that muscle more it gets stronger um you know and then all of a sudden i'm just thinking of melody after melody after melody um and it you know you kind of 
so I had a um, a creative writing teacher in high school, and he told us that you have to write a thousand terrible pages to get to one good page. And so kind of, you know, maybe the way, I don't know if this answers your question, but the way I think about it is I'm just going to keep writing so that I can get to the gold. You know, you kind of got to keep digging until you find something. And you might write a bunch of songs that nobody is ever going to hear, but I think that's okay. Okay. Now, you moved to Nashville, correct? Yeah. And Nashville is is that songwriter's town. They have a... You know, they look at songwriting almost as, you know, they look at it as a craft. It's it's a job. It's something you do every day. You know, they got writing yeah. times. It's a structured environment when it comes to songwriting. They take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, did that kind of environment really kind of inspire you to work in that way? Yeah, I think so. And I think you're just, a lot of it, too, is just you're surrounded by so many talented people. You know, I was kind of like, feeling good about my like writing a song a day for a month and then I talked to a friend and she, her husband is also a songwriter and she just you know mentioned at one point that he writes two songs a day all the time <laughs> you know what I mean so it's like it, it, it kind of keeps you on your toes you know like there's always there's just there's so many talented people and hard-working people in Nashville especially in the songwriter community you know you can feel really good about your songs and then you go to a writer's round And it just makes you, inspires you to go back and kind of keep honing your craft, you know? I don't know that you ever really finish learning how to be a good songwriter because, you know, there's just, you know, a lot of it has to do with you practicing and writing more, but then also just like your your own personal life experience, I think, adds to it too. Um, So yeah, I think that that's really been the biggest benefit is just kind of being around so many talented people here in Nashville. Okay. Now, you know, I always look at lyrics and melody as kind of do two different sides of the brain. You know, with lyrics mm-hmm. being very structured, you got story, continuity, rhyme, meter, all of those structural elements. But melody's a little different. Some songwriters like to work off of just a groove and allow the melody to free form out. Others like the chord structure or even the lyrics to kind of allow them to dictate through its cadence where the melody should go. What's kind of your go-to when you start looking for uh, melodies? You know, I um, I have a bunch of... Um, basically, I, I get, you know, ideas of melodies mainly throughout the day. And I'm normally not in a place where I can sit down and, you know, flush them out. So I'll record like a quick voice memo, you know. And sometimes it'll literally just be... 30 seconds of me singing, you know, whatever I thought of, or maybe I'll have a lyric with it, but I'll, then when I have time to sit down and write, I'll go back and listen to all of the voice memos and I'll kind of see which one sticks out, you know? Um, and, and then I'll kind of, I also have like a, a sheet on my phone of songwriting ideas. So I'll kind of, you know, when I have time, when I have that structure and I sit down and I think about it, I usually kind of go back to some of the ideas that I've had already and kind of start putting them together. And so they kind of, they kind of get formed at the same time. I mean, every song's a little different. Um, you know, sometimes they'll have, you know, like I heard a a really cool groove, like drum groove of a song the other day. And I recorded a little bit of it, of this. It was just something I heard on the radio. And I kind of thought to myself, I like this groove. I want to write a song with this groove, you know? So it just, a lot of, it varies a lot, but it's usually starts with a melody for me 
and then a song concept and then kind of just builds off of itself from there. Okay. Now, uh, you had mentioned that you have um, the memo on your phone. You have a, uh, you know, of course, notes that you put into your phone. And a lot of songwriters have embraced that technology as part of their writing process. Um, What are some of the other tools you've found um, that really enhance your songwriting process? Mm. You know, 10, 15 years ago, before I really started doing this, I would, I loved, you know, once I got and got a little bit of an idea, I would go into GarageBand and use a bunch of their, like, free drum beats just to kind of, like, get more of an idea. I thought that that was kind of a fun way to, like, expand my ideas. Um, And then, I don't know. I mean, I think that, uh, well, so uh, rhyming apps. I know those are real. Those are really helpful. You know, when you're when you've got an idea of a rhyme and they're just stuck. Um, I I like to use one called B Rhymes, um, pretty often. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, um, of course, every songwriter has to get to the point where they move the song on. They move it on to the producer and the musicians and allow them to kind of put their input onto them. But you got to get to that point. You have to put that pen down. What do you do to quantify when a song is ready to move on to that next phase? Oh, man. Sometimes I feel like I've recorded a song and released it and I still feel like there's things that I would like to say <laughs> It's tough, you know, I think, um, I am really lucky that I have, you know, um, a group of guys that I play with often who are, you know, part of my band. And so, you know, when I came to getting the ball rolling towards getting into the studio, the next thing I did was I collected the songs that I thought I wanted to hear with the band, because a lot of the times that'll help me figure out whether a song is done or not. You know, it's, it's one thing for me to just play through a song on my guitar. And it's another thing to put the full band to it and kind of, so it's kind of, you know, this, this album was, I I say it's self-produced, but like, you know, my band and my engineer, they were all a big part of that. You know, it was still a very collaborative effort and the album definitely wouldn't sound like it does today without all of their help. Um, so yeah, I don't know that there's ever like, uh, one way to know when a song's ready. I think that <laughs> sometimes you got to just move the ball, and you know, and that 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 like time crunch will kind of get get things going. Almost, you got to give yourself a deadline sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it every time. Now, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about going into the studio um, because you know, having a good song is only half the equation. That gives you something to say. Right. Creating its identity of not only the song, but of you as an artist happens in the studio. And every artist has their way of working in that environment to capture their sound, the sound they're looking for. Um, when you get into the studio, what's kind of your process that allows you to kind of capture the sound you're looking for? Yeah. Um, you know, so I definitely, I like to put out music that... I can easily replicate live. Um, you know, so I don't want a lot of extra like drum beats. I don't want, like, I love, there's a couple songs that have, you know, some like horns or strings or something on it, 
but you know, I don't try to, I try not to add too much extra stuff because I want people to listen to the album and know what they're coming to, what they're going to hear when they come to a show. So that I think adds a lot to it. But, um, you know, since I get together and I rehearse the songs with my guys, you know, we get, we get band tapes through that just on my phone. Um, you know, and then a lot of the times I give myself a week or two bet- between the rehearsal and when we get into the recording studio because I like to kind of sit with the songs and hear how it sounded at rehearsal so that then I can come with a game plan to the studio. Like at this point, like I have a pretty good idea of what I want the songs to sound like, which is, which is why I've self-produced the last couple of albums. Um, so, yeah, so I think that it's just, it's again, it's a matter of like, I go in there with a plan, but then I'm also open to creativity and like ideas that we get on the spot. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Now tell me a little bit about the lineup on this. Who's playing on it? Yeah. So we've got, um, I've got, Hutch on bass, Matt Doctor on drums, uh, Dan Wecht on guitar, um, Taylor Leonardo did all the engineering, um, Jonathan Smith is on keys and organ, um, and that's kind of the main, the main crew. <laughs> so they're a good group of guys. They're all like extremely talented. Okay. Now um, let's talk um, about the uh, putting it out there. Um, you're working with Patty DeVries of Devious Planet to kind of do your PR and radio. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Oh, Patty's great. I love her. She, um, she is just, she's very, she's a free spirit that works really hard. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which is great, which is perfect because she's just, she's easy to work with. She knows a lot of people. Everybody loves her. Like it's, you know, she has a lot of great contacts. Like the, the album isn't even, it's coming out on September 9th, you know? And so at least right now when we're recording this, it's about a month out and, you know, and she's already, I've already got several people comment, you know, coming back asking to review the album. And so, um, yeah, she's been a great person to work with. I really love Patty. Okay. Now, um, the music industry has changed over the last 20 years. Um, and the consumer, you know, the, the elephant in the room here is the consumer has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. I mean, they're not going to go back to the days of, of buying a physical product anymore. And that's the big problem is that recorded music has lost its economic um, incentive. Um, they, the, the consumer no longer looks at it as a product to purchase. It's now a service. How has this shift in perception by the consumer affected you as an artist? Well, I mean, I think that it's, you know, like going platinum is kind of a lost, (laughs) a lost dream, you know, like that's definitely one thing. There's other charts now that are more important. You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I can't blame them. Like, I also think, you know, Spotify, for example, is, it's just easier than turning over a record every six songs, you know, although I do have a record player and love listening to albums on there. But I think for a touring musician, the album sales are really what help you tour. Like the, the money that you bring in from selling merch is like, that's really what funds tours. And, and most consumers don't know that, and, and it's not their job to know that either. So I think that what I've been trying to do is just find more creative ways to 
bring money in for touring, you know, and, and then just kind of keep pushing the socials um, because that's where people are listening. That's where people are. Um, you know, so I've started to get really creative or posters. Um, I'm, I'm selling some vinyl for the first time for this album. Um, I also recently just started like creating and um, making jewelry out of old guitar strings, you know, just like another fun, like, Thing that people can collect at a show as like a memorabilia that you know maybe they can gift or you know wear um but it also like those though it's a really it's another way to bring in money to help fund tours um because unfortunately ticket sales or you know money from venues just does it does, it's not always enough you know what i mean so i think that's the biggest thing that i've noticed is just trying to figure out like okay we're not getting money from album sales how else can we still go on tour without <laughs> you know, going in the red. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it is a d- double-edged sword. I mean, streaming gives you access to a huge uh, potential market of fans. But mm-hmm. the revenue from streaming has really gone and and hurt the music industry's middle class, that segment yeah. of musicians that are out there on the road in that tan van eating chicken nuggets and sleeping in you know the lousy hotels um but you know what i mean uh but that that whole segment of the industry is is really hurting and this is not a sustainable model um i don't care how you know the consumer may not see it but we as artists understand that this is not sustainable we can't continue to create and record music and not be able to at least recoup that cost, you know, yeah, and, and be able to go on tour and, and, and make it happen. And of course that costs money now with gas and hotels mm-hmm. and food and, you know, they don't yeah. realize you got to feed the bands, you know, they, they play better yeah. when they're, when they're not hungry, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah it is. It is frustrating, especially since like, Putting out an album, especially as an, an independent artist, I mean, that's essentially a down payment of a house if you're doing it right. And most people don't realize that. And so it is really tough, like, you know, rationalizing buying all these CDs when you're like, is anybody even going to be buying these? Like, does anybody listen to these anymore? You know, and, and so when it comes to streaming, it's, it's kind of, it's, I agree, like, you don't really pull in any money, but it's also something that's needed you know having a a high monthly listener rate on again spotify is something that people industry looks at so like because that's a that's a stat that that you can't fudge you can't buy listeners you know what i mean on spotify that like love on the rocks are are the title track off of our last album literally just hit 400,000 streams, which is really exciting and is kind of another credit of like people are listening and people are listening that I probably wouldn't have been able to reach any other way. It is kind of a bummer though, because I mean, like that's barely any money. (laughs) You know what I mean? It really like, it's, it's a great number to see. I love that people are listening, but it, it, it really isn't, it's not paying for the album. So right. I agree. It's kind of, it's a double-edged sword. It's kind of, it's tough. Well, you know, if you look at kind of the evolution that we, that's brought us here, 
you know, we, we started out with Napster and, and everyone said, oh, Napster is so huge and everyone is sharing files and nobody's going to be able to stop them and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. The industry was up in arms. And then along comes iTunes and everyone's buying 99 cent downloads. And, you know, it's yeah. Apple. They're huge. It's never going to go away. We'll be doing this forever. And then all of a sudden comes Spotify. And, you know, nobody wants to store anything on their phones you know i mean Mm -hmm. you know back in the day you know the apple was more interested in selling you an ipod than they were selling you music you know music is just a way to give you something to put on your ipod um so you know it was a different mentality and now with streaming um it's 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 a you know that you you have no um, they didn't really take into account the the independent artists and if you look no. at the bulk of what is on these platforms a bulk of the music that is on Spotify are from independent artists and yeah. you know Spotify went and they made a deal with the record companies they gave them a bigger piece of the pie leaving you know the smaller piece for the independent artists which is like i said it's not sustainable we can't continue this but there is technology coming down the pike that in fact it's already here um where they're creating these streaming services that are based off the blockchain which is that technology that made cryptocurrency a reality um, companies like um, Audius and Emanate, which they're promising to give up to 80 to 90% of the incoming revenue to the creators themselves, the musicians, the songwriters, and so forth. And one of the big advantages of this type of uh, service is that it is decentralized. In other words, no one corporation can control it it is controlled by the fans and the artists so it is a decentralized system um what do you think of that as being a potential um future of the music industry that may write the ship yeah i mean i think in theory it sounds great i think that the trick is going to be to get consumers to use it you know, everything everything about selling things in a mass quantity is how easy is it and how much does it cost. So if it's just as easy as Spotify and it costs just as much as Spotify, people will use it. And now they just have to figure out how to let the masses know because until then, 80% of the revenue is isn't much if nobody's using it you know what i mean yeah. and i don't know i guess this is the first thing i'm time i'm, I'm at platform so maybe i just don't know maybe a lot of people are using them and well i mean maybe Aud- i need to look into audience <laughs> uh audience is right now is being backed by um katie perry uh jason Dorillo, naz pusha t dead mouse a lot of edm artists but it's out there, right? I mean, you can go on your phone and get an Audius player. And it's just like Spotify. It's the same, you know, you can create playlists, you can share them, you can, you know, whatever you, the same things you can do on Spotify, you can do on Audius. I think yeah. once once we get these 
platforms up running and getting you know an artist start gravitating towards them you're going to find mm-hmm. that the fans will follow the artists you know you know listen yeah. to us on yeah, on Audius, you know um that's just, true i mean that's how spotify got started is that the artists started saying hey listen to us on spotify and the fans started oh spotify let me go to my phone pick up this app it oh. takes what 20 seconds and boom they're, yeah. you know, they're there they're signed up uh and i think that's what's going to happen with these these platforms i don't know if audius or emanate or any of the other ones are going to be the next spotify but i i do truly believe that um the industry is going to try to write themselves in some way uh because we can't sustain what we're doing now yeah yeah well you know here's the hoping <laughs> yep now you yeah. you had mentioned earlier about how you use your socials in order to get the word out there and when the pandemic hit a lot of artists went up on on social media they started doing live streams uh started creating content and that seems to be the big buzzword now is is content creation and social media marketing almost to the point that you create your own reality show where you give your fans that that access to not only you as an artist but you as a person where you yeah you, you kind of allow them to uh, engage with you and invest in you as a person uh, what are some of the things that you're doing that that are helping you get the word out through content and social media marketing yeah um you know i think that uh i think that you kind of you hit it the nail on the head of like i think people are looking for one a variety of different kinds of content so um you know i'm I'm not, I'm doing a lot of reels and like TikTok, like videos, but like, it's not all just me playing an acoustic guitar at home. It's a variety of that versus, you know, me singing with my dog or, you know, live, live videos that I've collected or, you know, it's kind of like, I I keep people engaged by making a variety of things. But then also, like you said, you know, people want to like know that people are real. You know what I mean? Like gone is the day that you kind of put people on, not I don't know. People still put celebrities on pedestals, but like they want to also hear the celebrity talk about their bad day, and you know what I mean. Kind of see like all of the different parts of your life, and so I think if you want to be successful as a content creator, you have to be really comfortable sharing all those parts of your life that you might just not always share. You know, I definitely have been kind of trying to open up a little bit more. I can put short little. Instagram stories on there, but like being more like putting more information. If I post a picture on Facebook, for example, I think people really engage when you share an authentic emotion, you know, and and it's usually pretty obvious people aren't being authentic. So just kind of continuing to do that. Oh yeah. You know, I think it's, it's gotten to the point where the brand now has become the new product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn up loud. Screw those neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs> Thank you. 
Make you shout now, honey. Gonna 
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Gonna scream my name Make you shout now, honey 